Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, so today is the most special day that I can even imagine. I get to sit here with Wynn Claybaugh, who has been my hugest, is that a word, hugest mentor in my entire life. Write it down, it's a a great word. I think we're going to do it, yeah. And I just, it's crazy, Wynn, because I've been wanting to do this since I started the podcast, because there's no way that this podcast would have happened without the belief that you gave me and just the mere fact of how much you've changed my life. And I know for a fact, I was going to call this be nice because of your book, be nice or else when, but I have decided already that it's going to be called be a legacy builder because that's what you are. And just knowing how you changed my family's life. And before I, introduce Wynn on some of his qualifications because his bio, as you could imagine, is 15 pages long, right? And I'm going to hit some key points that really mean a lot to me. And I think they'll mean a lot to you as well. But, but when uh, you already know this, but in 2001, I became one of the first Paul Mitchell schools. And that's when I met you. And that's when I met John Paul DeJoria. And I'll never forget that day because the hair stood on end because I knew for a fact that I was supposed to align myself with your vision. And the minute that I did that, of course, my husband went kicking and screaming because of the cost. We didn't have the money. So we had to risk everything to get involved in the school system. And I'll never forget uh, in 2002 when you were there for our grand opening and you announced, you may not remember this, but you said in front of all of our friends and all of our family, you said, Brian, when are we going to get you to retire from the law so you can cross over to our side and be involved with the Paul Mitchell schools. And do you know that was 2002 to uh, 2020 this year, January, he officially retired from the law practice. Isn't that crazy? And that so when, yeah, my daughter was sitting there. She was, I believe around eight years old. She was sitting there. And now today, just right before we got onto this podcast, she was training all of our future professionals and in my four Paul Mitchell schools that we own with you when and, and to watch how you've shifted and changed our entire lives in so many ways, not only financially, but personally and professionally, physically, intellectually, and emotionally. And so you have no idea the lives that you have changed, but looking back, if, if it wasn't for you, we would not have the life that we have or the family, the dream family that I have. And I don't think you're ever going to truly know the lives, the thousands and thousands of lives that you're training because you just got your head down. You're just doing your thing. And so there's going to be a lot of untold stories here because I want to dig a little deep because where did Win Claybaugh come from? You know, because it's like you came out of nowhere and I feel like you're this angel that God planted on earth to create just incredible people that really no one is doing. And so I want to introduce Win, um, author you of- mind the- if I, You mind yeah. if I introduce somebody really quickly though? Oh, yes. Is this Sophia? You know, because while we're, while, while we're shooting this, you know, it, it, we just all happen to be quarantined. So we're at, we're at uh-huh. home. I'm at home, and I set up a little. Uh, my little studio here is in a, a back bedroom. You said that you're doing the same thing right now, yep. Tina. We've got we have homeschooling happening in the other room, and so my little daughter, <laughs> uh, she just wanted to. Sophia. This is Sophia. Oh so my she's, gosh. She's, 
She just wanted to say hi really, really quickly before she goes. Yeah, she, oh, she's, she's practicing her cursive writing. How's, how's daddy's homeschooling? Not good. (laughs) Hey, we're all doing the best that we can, but. She's probably homeschooling you. Ask her if she put your. You have no idea. Ask her if. You're uh, homeschooling us. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Love you, sweetheart. Uh, You know, know, thank you for that message uh, that, that you started off with. And I love it, the fact that your whole family um, is involved, because I think that that's the, that's the best when it works to bring family. You get to work with your spouse. You get to work with your two kids. I mean, to me, there's, there's nothing better than that. And what's so funny is how many people have a rule against that. Like when they I find know. out that I work with friends and family members, they're like, oh, that's taboo. I'm like, why? Because when it works, it's so sweet. Because prior to that, uh, I'm sure that how it worked was you went off to work and then Brian went off to work yep. and you're brilliant at work, right? That's what, that's when you shine. And then you get home at the end of the day and you're exhausted. You're beat because you put everything into your passion, into your, into your career. And it's like, how was your day? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I'm tired. You don't get to see each other at your best. And so now to see each other at, at, at your best, like my mom worked for me. She retired last year at the age of 92 she worked for me over, for over 30 years, and I've always known mom as this amazing mom, but for me to also know my mom as this passionate, empathetic business leader, this powerful woman, my, some of my siblings never got to see that side of mom. Well, I got to see that side, why we didn't make it a taboo of working with each other. So it's, it's wonderful when it works out. Oh, I so agree when I can't imagine my life without working side by side with my daughter. And now since then, five years ago, we got into the salon business together and now we're opening up our fourth salon together Mm. and partnering with our existing staff to be partners with us. And, and it's just so crazy to think that here, that little girl was sitting there at eight years old when you came into that school and looking at our lives and, and I'll never forget because when you first came into our lives, we of course read the Be Nice or Else book, The Culture, which I want to talk about here because I think this is the number one thing that's going to keep any business running. And even having a culture in your family, building a culture, a brand culture with your family, what's your family brand as well too. And but my son, he was, I believe in about fifth grade at the time, and he wrote a letter to his teacher and said, thank you, Wynn Claybaugh, because you changed my mom's life. She's such a nicer person. And, <laughs> and it was that moment, it was just like, oh my gosh. And I had tears streaming down my face. I read it to all the Palmetto School owners, but you have changed every single one of the Palmetto School owners' life. Like, this is what it's all about. Just we're in the business of changing lives. And because of that, I've been able to build companies and other companies because of you win so that I can be a legacy builder too. So just watching you and seeing how you are in every facet of life, professionally, physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritual has really changed my life. And, and so, yeah, I'm going to introduce when, of course, he's the author of be nice or else he's the only man I know that can write one book and be successful. I'm on my fourth book and trying to be successful with one with one book, right? And I'm on my fourth book and you wrote one and, and it's such a good book that you could pick it up at any time and get a little nugget out of it every single day. And so that's why I love it. Um, he's the host of the Masters Podcast Club, 
which by the way, just heard Shailene Johnson with, with you and amazing. Thank you so much. And I remember when, when you had cassette tapes, when we first got into this business yes. in 2002, I wish I would have saved them. I could have sold them as antiques for sure. And of no, I've course, been doing that for, for 22 years now, back before wow. there was even the, the, the term podcast 22 mm -hmm. years ago. Every month I was sitting down to interview people because, you know, that's, that's how I learn. I'm not a big reader. Um, I wrote a book, but I don't read. <laughs> how I've always gained my knowledge and my experience, my expertise is by talking to other people. And, and so I, I've always made it a habit of asking questions of my mentors and my heroes and uh, people who are smarter than I am, which is pretty much the entire planet. And uh, one day, 22 years ago, I decided to add a microphone to the equation so that I could record their answers and share with as many people as possible. And that's how uh, Masters, my podcast was born. And you know what? You're the first person, the first self-development person I've ever listened to. I really didn't even know that it was self-development when I listened to you. But you didn't just focus on industry leaders of what it would be successful in the salon business, but you focus on life because you have to be a full individual professionally, physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. And so you hit on all those areas and you're definitely second to none. I don't know anyone in the beauty industry that is doing what you're doing. And that's why I'm Thank so you. blessed to be your partner. And of course, you've been in business over 30 years. You have at 16,000 people at one time that's in your life, which of course, we're in Paul Mitchell School. So of course, every year we have brand new students coming through our schools, 110 locations plus. You're the founder and co-owner of Paul Mitchell Schools, a national motivational expert for Paul Mitchell, a frequent speaker at every uh, major beauty event. As you could hear him speaking, he's the greatest motivational speaker that you've ever heard. In 2004, you were the youngest person to ever win the Naha, which is the North American Hairstyling Awards, the Hall of Leaders, which I'm going to focus on here in a moment. Um, and then 2016, American Salon named you one of the five industry leaders who helped revolutionize education. And every time I'm at uh, our meetings, our summit meetings, I come ready with pen and paper and just write word for word what you say. And I study it because when you are in the presence of your mentor, just shut up and listen. So most of this podcast, I'm going to shut up and listen so that my people can hear you. Uh, but first and foremost, you said something when, and I want to hit on it. And so number one, you said, get your family involved. And you know what? Our model and our family, our family brand is we do life together. And you mm. do too. And it's so rare, but you taught us that when you taught us that. And I can't imagine my life without my family and my, my daughter and, and my son, of course, and they're both married and now I have grandchildren. So it's so cool to be able to see this, but talk a little bit more about that, how to make that work. Because I coach a lot of salon owners when, and they really, really get frustrated working either with their parents or they get frustrated working with their kids and when, uh, when my daughter first started working for me, one of those untold stories, I want to hear some untold stories from you, Wynn, because a lot of people may not know some of the, the nitty gritty, but uh, when she first started working for us in the Palmetto School in Fort Myers, and I remember she was, she was 18, she was talking back to me in front of the staff, and so I just, I put my owner hat on, and I pulled out the, the coaching form, and I coached her, and I had her sign it, and I said, when we're in the press, 
president of the team, I need you to speak very kindly to me because we reprimand in private and we praise in public. And so I just use the systems, the culture that, we, that you laid out when, I use those systems to make that happen. And since then, that was just one and done. We've had an incredible relationship in business. Well, to, uh, to piggyback on what you're talking about, when, when, when it works, it's great. And there's times when working with friends and family members, uh, it doesn't work. And I'm sure there are many people that would chime in to, uh, to tell you about when it doesn't work. You know, oh, win clay, Bob, boy, stay away from him. You know, we all have those people in our lives as well, mm -hmm. because there's no way that you can move forward with business and, and grow financially or in other ways uh, without making your mistakes along the way. Uh, we're always going to come across those naysayers. But when, it, when working with family, you absolutely need to have the boundaries. You just shared a boundary that you have that you needed to put your owner hat on and your, you and your daughter would have a different relationship and you have to follow the system and follow the culture because we are at work and absolutely requires a different commitment. And so, you know, we, we practice all of that stuff too, but uh, what was your family motto that you, you do life together? Yes. Yeah. I like that because um, remember they try to teach us that we should uh, divide up our lives. They try to teach us that well over, over here are your relationships over here is your spirituality over here is uh, business, right? And you're supposed to keep all those areas separated and divided. I mean, could, could any of you figure out how to make that happen? I was always like, so in other words, I'm supposed to leave my soul at home when I go to work? That, that never made sense to me. What does make sense to me is that we bring all of our fabulous selves together everywhere we go. And so if I'm fabulous at home, if I'm fabulous at the gym, if I'm fabulous in my spiritual conquests, and then I bring all of that with me to the work environment, oh my gosh, not only am I going to be that much more successful, but I'm also going to create a culture. I'm going to create a culture because guess what? People at work, their marriages struggle too. People at work, they're struggling with physical fitness and health and wellness as well. People at work, if they only know you as the business Tina, and that's the only part of your life that you share with them, it's, all, it's only about business, right? Then that you're not somebody that they can come to when their marriage is in trouble. They, they need to be able to feel safe in that work environment because well, where else are they gonna get that from? Because I believe that people need to feel like they belong. And when people feel like they belong, my gosh, they're more loyal. I, I like telling that joke that a, a business owner is given a tour of his business. And the person asks us, so how many people work here? And the business owner responded with, oh, about half, about half work here. And the reason why that can happen in some businesses is because people don't feel engaged. Now, maybe they feel engaged with their time, meaning they show up for one thing and one thing only, and that is to receive a paycheck, but they're not engaged with their hearts, with their talents, with their passion, with their creativity. And why aren't they engaged with all of that? Well, because uh, they don't feel like they belong, right? They don't feel safe. It, for them, it's just, it's just a paycheck, right? And why is that? Well, because the boss hides that other side of themselves. The boss isn't sharing uh, all the things that they're going through. I was, gosh, maybe six months into my sobriety 
which has now been over 18 years clean off of drugs. I was six months into that sobriety when I started sharing my journey with people, right? Now I know it turned off a lot of people. I'm sure that it, it upset a lot of people. I'm sure people thought that I was a fraud or called me a fraud, right? But I knew six months into that journey, I needed to talk about my struggle and my recovery with uh, drugs. Because I knew then that other people could relate to that and it would help them as well. I need to share, I'm very vocal about the commitment that I have to the gym and, and wellness and eating a good diet. I don't mind sharing with them when I screw up on those things because um, I think that the best teachers, the best mentors, the best leaders are storytellers. And sometimes the best stories that we tell aren't necessarily about business and how to make money. Sometimes the best stories are about those other areas of our lives. And so I, I want to be very vocal and be very transparent, so to speak, in sharing uh, who I am. Now, obviously, I'm kind of a private guy. You know, you're, you're, you're never going to see us out and about at Hollywood parties, even though we get invited, you know, once or twice, not a lot. But, you know, we're not out doing that unless it's related to our own endeavors of trying to raise money and awareness and philanthropic stuff that we're involved in but you know we're kind of private so i get the the importance of, of having that privacy but when and where you can to be transparent and share your life with other people especially with the people that you work with even if you're the boss i think that that's such a good thing it's so powerful for people yeah you you really taught me a lot of that i love this um so let's kind of back up just a little bit because we were talking about getting your family involved and your entire family is your company <laughs> and i love your family because they have your heart how do you get how did you get your family to buy in to your vision because i know most of the time people will say you can't be a prophet in your own town but here you are you're with your own family. And so I, I've had to make a choice and it's a little bit harder this year because my husband has retired because we're together full time to make a choice that my husband has to be my number one client. And so I've got to be, wow. and you are such an incredible example of that win. Where did you come up with the idea of Paul Mitchell schools? I mean, hello, this was back in 2001 and where did it come from? Where's Win Claybaugh from and this culture? It's incredible. I tell my students, I'm like, listen, yeah, you're learning hair, but pay attention to what you're really not learning. Look at the culture pieces on the wall. If you have a written culture, just like Paul Mitchell School does in your business, I don't care what business, you will be successful because the foundation that we have is so rock solid. There's nothing that's going to take it down. Nothing. So where did that come from? What's the untold well, you know, story? What, what do they say? People are like overnight successes. They're like, oh, when you're successful because in 2001, you became partners with John Paul DeJuri and he has a ton of money in the Paul Mitchell name. So it automatically worked. You guys, by the time John Paul and I worked, opened our first school together, I had already been in the school business for 18 years, 18 years of me working hard with uh, some of the same team members that still work with us to this day. They were there, you know, 38 years ago, and they're still with us today. So we were not an overnight success. We had already been working really, really, really hard. And I tell that to people because nobody can take that away from you. And, and, and sometimes that generation of today, we call them the microwave generation, that they, they want things instantly, 
right? They, they, they watch one YouTube video on makeup and think that now they're ready for the red carpet, right? They hit one tennis ball and they're ready for Wimbledon. No, it takes time. It takes a lot of hard work. And so um, that's where I came from. I'm, I'm not a hairdresser. I've never been a hairdresser. Um, so I started that company 38 years ago. I never went to high school, not one, one day of college. Wait, I did go to high school, but barely graduated. No <laughs> college at all. Apparently in high school, they want you to show up. Um, I was busy. I told them I was busy. Um, and here I am 38 years later, not a hairdresser, never went to college, but you know, I make a lot of money. I get to travel the world. I get to love my life every day. I get to meet some famous people along the way. I get to make a difference. Uh, the youngest recipient of Naha, right? Uh, in the last eight years, I've been invited to speak at uh, major universities across the country. Never went to college, but now they invite me to come and speak there. But get this, Tina, not once in my entire career has anybody ever asked to see my resume. Nobody has any idea right. if I'm even qualified to be doing any of this because nobody ever asked. Nobody ever checked up on me. The only thing that people knew about me was, you know, Wynn is kind of excited. Let, let's just work with Wynn because he's very excited. All they ever <laughs> knew was I'm excited. And I, I like to tell that to people because passion is going to get you so far. When you yeah. walk into a room, and I used to think that I had to be the smartest person. Like I remember having a it was a dinner party or a dinner meeting uh, at a restaurant. There weren't a lot of people there, but one of my new friends at the time was Van Council, okay? Who's a very successful salon owner. He's been the uh, um, artistic director of Intercofure, famous, talented guy. And we're sitting at dinner and this is, again, going back probably 30 years. And he was, at the time, maybe he had a couple of locations and I had a couple of locations. And during dinner, he was going on and on, throwing out business numbers and facts. And I mean, his brain was just incredible. And I remember sitting there getting pissed off at dinner because I'm, I'm sitting there thinking he is so smarter than I am. And I'm never going to be that smart. And therefore, I'm screwed. I, I, I really believe that, that I'm not that smart. And, and I was getting mad about it. Right? I wasn't celebrating the fact that, wow, I have this new friend and he's really smart. I wasn't celebrating that. I was, I was upset about it. I was angry that he was smarter than I am. I, I'm never going to be the smartest person in a room. And that's okay because I can have the most passion in a room. I can, I can be the most positive person in a room. And those are the things that I have control over. And, and so I just focus on that. I remember you saying at one time that you thought, oh, we'll probably have about 10 schools. I don't think you knew that it would blow up this fast to 110 yeah. schools. And I know we've since, you know, slowed it down, but I love the fact that you did that because you're making sure that the foundation is strong. And I think a lot of times salon owners, and you've taught me this when, is the fact that I've got to make sure the foundation is there, the values are there, the culture is written, the way we do things around here. And I coach salon owners and they have not one system written down when, not one. And so when a crisis comes, that building's going to fall because you don't have a written system. So here you were writing your systems for 18 years. You have this incredible, where did all of it come from? Is it just things that you thought of that you wanted, like your dream business? Did you put up, you know, sticky notes and, and posters and say, this is what we want to do? Where did it, where, what's that untold story that maybe no one knows? Um, 
you know, how, how did we create all of that? Well, again, working hard for 18 years. And I, as I also mentioned, I have some of the same people that still work with me. If I, through those 18 years, sent off the message to my team, either verbally or how I acted every single day, if my presence sent them the message that I, as the boss, have to be the smartest person here, there's no way I would have loyal people for 18 years. There's no way that I could bring out the best in those people. So I knew that I, I needed to make sure that they all felt safe too. I, I don't have to be the smartest people. I, I love the story, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but you know, why let the truth get in the way of making a good <laughs> point? Uh, there's the story that I repeat the story of, of Henry Ford uh, being questioned in court and they're asking him questions about his company. And his answer was, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I know who knows. Mm-hmm. I don't know 80% of how my company works, but I know who knows. Ask me anything about IT, forget about it. You are, we are screwed if I'm now the IT department <laughs> at Paul Mitchell Schools. But you know what? Is there anybody better than Dan Bird? Mm-hmm. Right? My yeah. IT guy? How smart is Dan Bird? You know what my job is with Dan Bird? Is to make sure that he feels safe, that he, that he loves his job, for me to call him on his birthday. I know about his family. I show a lot of love and appreciation to Dan. I'm constantly, constantly telling him, Dan, you're so smart. You're amazing. When I hear emails, I get emails from, from schools that he's visited. Oh my gosh, Dan Bird was just here. He's amazing. He's incredible. You better believe I, shoot, I shout that from the rooftops. I copy everybody on that. Oh my gosh, Dan, thank you so much. And that's just one person in my company. Do you want me working in the financial aid department of your school, Tina? Probably no, not me either, because I would give away there. everything for free. You and I would. Yeah, you know, when, <laughs> when a legal matter comes up, does Brian call me for advice? No, no. <laughs> I'm not the person to call. But mm-hmm. you know what? I, I, I could tell you who my lawyers are, right? And ask them, is Win a jerk? No, I'm not a jerk, right? I'm, I'm focused on my, on my business. I take care of the people around me. I don't have to have the, 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 all the answers. I don't have to have the best information, but I need to create a culture where the best of the best in every area, from marketing to IT to curriculum development to, to the front lines of running the receptionist desk, right, to people who answer the phone. If I call one of my schools and I'm a jerk, it's win the boss, get, get the manager on the phone. I've never even met that person. They already, and they're spreading the word. Oh my gosh, stay away from the boss, right? He's a, he's a real a-hole, right? Mm-hmm. It's not my job, right? Yeah. And if I take on that role and you, you know what? You coach owners and leaders and you see that a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, they assume that they are the most important person in their organization. When in reality, most owners, most bosses, most managers are the least significant individual in their organization. And why is that? Because they are the furthest away from how they make money. Meaning how a, how a salon makes money is a guest sits in the chair, they get their hair done, they buy a product. But it's not the owner who's touching that guest's hair. It's not the owner at the reception desk selling product to that customer, right? It's the frontline people. When I interviewed uh, the president of Outback Steakhouse, and they at the time had 650 restaurants around the world, right? 
and they're known for loyalty. And he said to me, when in, in all the time that I've been at with Outback Steakhouse, not once have we received a letter from a happy customer that said, I just love Outback <laughs> Steakhouse because of the president. Mm -hmm. He said, when we have yet to receive that letter, why do people love those restaurants? It's because of the frontline people. It's because of the servers. It's because of the greeter. It's because of the, the person who busts the table. It's because of the cooks, the people who wash the dishes, right? That's why they're successful. And so, you know, you as, as owners and leaders, we have to step back and push our people forward. We need to celebrate them. We need to show their strengths and their victories, right? We need to give them that, that safety to, to pursue what they're passionate about. And sometimes what they're passionate about has nothing to do with running the business, but because we as the boss, we care about what they care about, they're more loyal. And they show up with their creativity, with their expertise, they're loyal, and that's the job that we have. So mm -hmm. to answer the question, because you asked a question, <laughs> yeah, it was 18 years of bringing on the best of the best people. And again, some of those people are still with us, but they were the ones who developed uh, the curriculum and how we run the financial aid. Now, some of the ideas were my ideas, right? Like, like um, uh, phase two, that was my idea. You know, the take home team, that was my idea. The, uh, the whole be nice culture, that was my idea. Getting involved in fundraising, that was my idea. So a lot of the, uh, the, the free hugs, that was my idea. Well, it was my idea within my company, but I stole the idea from somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. But all the other important systems and, and departments of what makes our company successful, that was because of other people. Yeah. And that's what I love about you. Where did that come from where you didn't come from a place of ego? Because I feel like a lot of owners, business owners are really people that are just unemployable. And so they become a business owner and because they never really knew how to follow somebody. And so they become really egotistical and they can only have one business and they keep having a revolving door of people coming in and out, walk out after walkout. Right. And so where did that come from you to be so humble when, and you know, can you pinpoint a time that you learned that lesson to become more humble and to be able to believe in people like you do because yeah. you're extraordinary. Thank you. Um, first of all, um, I am my mother's son. So I have wonderful parents who gave me so many gifts. So I absolutely have to credit uh, my parents and how we were raised. Uh, but otherwise, uh, where I learned it from, where that came from was being a jerk and losing really, really good people, right? Sorry, be, being a jerk. And so what does Tony Robbins say? We learn through inspiration or desperation. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot of my lessons through desperation. I screwed up. I screwed up and I had to pay the price for it. Well, I don't want to have to learn that way. I mean, experience is a great teacher, but the value of the lessons that we learn through firsthand experience diminishes in the time that it takes to have the experience. So, so a wise person learns from inspiration. You learn from other people's experiences. You learn from inspiration. You pursue podcasts and reading great books and having friends and mentors that are very successful leaders and you ask them questions. 
I don't know anything about the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I know <laughs> nothing about them. I don't know their names. I could care less what they have to say, right? Even though they're famous and they're rich, I don't care about that. But I could tell you a lot about my mentors. And some of them are famous and some of them aren't famous. Some of them have a ton of money. Some of them barely get by, but they have something that I can learn from. They have something to share with me. And I'd rather learn through inspiration, meaning um, you don't have to become a drug addict to learn what I can teach you about being a recovering addict. You don't have to go through breast cancer to learn what somebody who has been through that, a survivor of cancer, could teach you the valuable lessons that they learned through that journey of recovery. You can learn from them so you don't have to go through those experiences yourself. And so I've learned both ways. I've learned through making mistakes and screwing up and pissing people off and losing valuable people, losing valuable relationships. But I, I choose now, I would rather learn through the inspiration side of it. So just like I know you are, you're so committed, Tina, to your growth, to your learning. You're, you just devour mentors and books and podcasts and, you know, which is kind of an interesting conversation because right now so many people, again, we're in quarantine right now. Um, there's so many people who are complaining about what has been canceled, but uh, podcasts have not been canceled. Mm-hmm. Internet has not been canceled. So we're all sitting at home and what a great opportunity that we have to spend this time learning. Yeah. What do you think keeps people from wanting to really grow in self-development? Because I, I know for me, it's the same thing because I learned the lessons of my scripts, losing valuable people in my life too, and really coming to that realization, getting my ego out the door. And, and so I love that you said that when, because failure has become my friend, right? And so what do you think keeps people from wanting to learn and self-growth and like we said uh, podcasts and obviously reading books there's so many different i've joined every darn webinar known to man my whole family thinks i'm nuts (laughs) so i have to like really let them know i i had to draw out an entire schedule for my husband while i'm here in quarantine because i'm busier now than i was before and he's like can you please let me know your schedule so i know when i can have you And so I'm just, I am a junkie. I'm definitely a self-help junkie. What do you think keeps people from doing that when, because I know sometimes it's kind of like, you know, really, really trying to draw it out of people, you know, it motivates someone right now why they should be doing that. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? Um, I I learned from a really good mentor uh, years ago, Marianne Williamson. Uh, She's the one that taught me that it's not our job to fix and change people. And, you know, when I started studying and and gaining knowledge and experience and listening to some of my mentors was like, with some of them, it was like exactly what I was looking for without realizing that I was looking for something. Meaning prior to that, I was just, you know, I wasn't wildly miserable. I was just kind of mildly miserable. And when you're mildly miserable, you're not, you're not really motivated to do something about it. Right. And and people are just kind of, they're content with that status quo. You know, they're, they're not, they haven't really hit rock bottom because rock bottom meaning become a, a, a drug addict or a, a nasty divorce can hit, help you hit rock bottom. And from, from there, it's like, that's it. I'm going to reinvent myself. I, I don't ever want to feel this way again. I don't want to be this type of a person. This is not what I was meant for. 
And, and many of us have those stories of hitting rock bottom, and that's why we improved. But a lot of people, they're just mildly miserable, which means they are just content to just live the rest of their lives that way. So I think what it takes is uh, to have a good friend. It takes somebody to come along and say, you know what, you're, you're, you're kind of meant for more than this. Why don't, why don't you read this book? You know, why don't, why don't you listen to this podcast? I remember exactly what it was for me. It was somebody that just kind of slipped. It was a cassette tape. You know, that was the, the motivation. I can tell you exactly who it was. It was Ed Foreman, okay? Mm. I, I don't even know if he's alive today anymore, <laughs> but I could, I could quote that tape. Because, and I had never heard of the idea of a motivational speaker. I didn't even know that that concept existed. And yet somebody now hands me a cassette tape. Hey, Wynn, you know, why don't you just listen to this? You know, they didn't beat me over the head with it. They didn't say, wow, Wynn, you're, I'm judging you. You're a mess. You really need this in your life right now. They would just kindly and lovingly said, hey, Wynn, why don't, why don't you take a listen to this? It, <laughs> yeah, changed your life. Just thinking about it right now. And that was, you know, over 30 years ago. Just thinking about the power of that moment when, mm -hmm. listen to this. And it took me to places that I, I had no idea I could go. And, mm -hmm. and from there, it was just like the snowball. I need more. I need more. I need more. I need more. And I became a junkie with it. And I could go on and on and on about the, the mentors that I was attracted to. And for me, it wasn't enough to just sit in an audience listening to these mentors. I became a motivational speaker stalker. <laughs> I had to meet these people. I had to lie to sneak backstage past security because I had to shake their hand. I had to volunteer for their organizations, for their charities. I had to get as close to these people as I possibly could uh, yes, because I was inspired to, but also because I was a little desperate. I was desperate. I was mildly miserable. And in some ways, I was wildly miserable. Mm. I needed some help. And thank God that somebody just kindly and lovingly came along and said, hey, why don't you consider this? And so to answer your question, we, we all know those people in our lives. You know, first thing that we have to do is change ourselves. It's not our job to fix and change other people. It's our job to fix and change ourselves, right? So we, we, we have to have the credibility to then come along and share with somebody else, hey, I think that you could fix this part of your life. But then just, you know, do it in a loving way. Mm. You know, just yeah. here, listen to this. Take, take a read here. I think you're better than this. It's not an yeah. attack. It's not a judgment. You know, I think that you're worth more than what you currently believe. Yeah, I love that. And I was that person with you when, stalk, when as soon as you said stalk your mentor, so of course I started stalking you. I tell everybody that. Uh, but one of the things that I love that you introduced to the Paul Mitchell Schools is Dr. Daniel Amen. And he changed my life in so many aspects. I just heard him actually on the Rise Up Challenge right now this past week that he just spoke and he's talking about his new book the end of mental illness and it's just the mere fact of that you have to have mental hygiene so we have dental hygiene i used to be a dental hygienist <laughs> well what about you know flossing your teeth every day to save your teeth what about mental hygiene to save your brain because i just heard a statistics when that one minute of anger 
or stress or anxiety can actually lower your immune system for four to five hours. But one minute oh of laughter, gosh. yes, the, it was an immunology clinic that said this. And then one minute of laughter can increase your immune system by uh, 24 hours plus. And so it's like, this is so important to take care of our mental hygiene and to really, really invest in coaches and different people at books, like you're saying, and, and podcasts, listen to Wynn's podcast because it'll lift you up. The minute that I start to feel anxious when I always go to either your podcast, someone else's podcast, I read a book because I know I've got to take care of my brain health. It's about taking care of your brain. So uh, thank you for introducing us to him. Well, um, I was just now writing down what you were saying that one minute, cause I'm going to, I'm going to steal that from you. I'm going to use it everywhere. Wherever you stole it from. Yeah, there you Les go. Brown. There you go. It's from Les Brown. That, so I mean, yeah. gosh, how powerful is that? Because right now, you know, there's so much anger and fear on this planet because of this pandemic and people are so focused on that. And I mean, we could spend some time talking about that. I would, I would love to talk about that because there's some great lessons uh, yes. in what we're all going through right now. But, um, you know, yeah, somebody like Dr. Amen, and it, I mean, you say that people have dental hygiene, mm -hmm. you know, that people spend more time brushing their teeth mm -hmm. every day than they spend time programming their minds, their hearts, their souls for happiness. And so coming across uh, uh, Dr. Amen was just life changing for me as well. And so, of course, I'm going to share him with everybody. And and it wasn't enough that I just read his books. I had to stalk him. I had to meet him. And now we text each other like almost every single day. Like he's my, mm. he's like my friend now. And I, and I love having that relationship with him. And, and by the way, it's not like I'm always asking, asking, asking. I'm reciprocal, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I send things to him and to his wife. And I, I participate in his podcast and his mission and spreading uh, what he's passionate about. So I can't just ask, ask and take, take, take. I'm not just a consumer. I need to be a contributor as well. And that's a whole nother topic. Mm. But um, when you consider that the brain controls the entire body and we scan teeth, we scan mm -hmm. bones, we scan organs, but we never scan the brain. And I love it when Dr. Amen talks about that the psychology of today is the exact same psychology that they use to diagnose Abraham Lincoln with depression. Unbelievable. Right? Nothing's changed. Yeah. Right. And yet we, we've changed in, in, in every other way uh, medically and but, but, but not with psychiatry. And so to have somebody come along like Dr. Amen, who has scanned over 200,000 brains because the brain functions the entire body. And so I've had my brain scanned twice by, by Dr. Amen. He put me on a a very strict regimen, which I'm following. And then he did a before and after and scanned my brain a couple of months later. And so, yeah, you know, let's just promote Dr. Amen. And mm -hmm. um, there are so many mentors that we, we've been able to introduce. See why, in the, if we're just talking about the Pumichel school world and people listening to this, you know, maybe you're not the boss. And so you're thinking that you don't have any power, that you don't have any control. You don't have any influence over the people that you work with on a daily basis. Or maybe you're the boss, you're the owner, and you only have one location. And so you're thinking, this doesn't apply to you. Oh, but when I have 10 locations, then I'll start introducing these concepts. Uh-uh. Mm -mm. You all, everybody listening to this, because leadership is not a position. It's an attitude. It's a behavior. 
And you all, I don't care if you're the, the brand new person working for your store, for your company, you've only been there for a month, you are paid less than anybody else in your company, you have power and you have influence. And for you, you, to, for you to use your power and influence in ways that, that bring hope, that support the people that you work with every single day. So why at work can't you talk about the latest book that you read or the podcast that you heard with Dr. Amen? Why can't that be the topic of conversation? Because Lord knows you're talking about the real housewives at work on the, around the water cooler, right? There's the gossip, the conversations that don't really matter. You have those conversations. Why can't the conversations be about uh, Tony Robbins? Why can't they be about Sister Bonnie, right? Why can't they be about people who are using their power and their influence to make a true difference on this planet? I remember a friend of mine, I like telling the story, but I haven't told it in a while. I had this friend of mine that was, uh, he was struggling with some, some life things. And, and at, it was at that time, this was in the 80s, and I was going to at least two or three seminars every single week with Marianne Williamson, this amazing mentor. She has done so much for me. And, and so I said to my friend, why don't you go hear Marianne Williamson? She's speaking Tuesday night at six o'clock. Get in line because there's going to be a thousand people trying to get in. Okay, get in line and you need to go hear Marianne Williamson. Okay, and I was so excited that he was going to go. The very next day I call him up. I'm so, so how did it go? How, how was it with Marianne Williamson? He's like, well, I was in line. Mm. I noticed that she was charging $10 for every person entering the building that night, right? Times a thousand people. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she is making so much money on this seminar. She, he said, I got out of line and I went home. I'm like, why? He said, she's making a ton of money off of this. I'm like, have you ever been to an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? What'd you pay for the movie? You don't think Arnold Schwarzenegger is making millions of dollars producing violent films? And you're okay with that, right? You're okay right. with seeing violent films, but because somebody is doing good things with their voice, with their power, with their influence, you're, you're upset that they're making money at that? So... I can't wow. remember why I'm telling Sounds you really story, powerful. but I just felt like it was appropriate to tell the story here. Yeah, people need to hear that too. Yeah, exactly. I love that you said that. So being a legacy builder. Oh, the builder, point is, you guys, that's the topic <laughs> at work. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so exactly. at work at Paul Mitchell Schools, we have summits. We don't talk about <laughs> financial aid all the time. We don't always talk about, you know, how to handle a complaining customer. We spend hours, we, we, we commit Hours and hours, dedicated hours, talking about Dr. Amen. Yep. We talk, we talk mm -hmm. about, you know, the, 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 the latest research in breast cancer. We mm -hmm. talk about things that are going to feed our souls, that are going to fix our marriages, that are going to make us better human beings. And yet we're dedicating that time to supposedly running a company. That's what I said about you, Wynn, because you've introduced us to so many people and we've been able to utilize Dr. Amen, but also you introduced us to Bright Pink, which inadvertently, I believe, saved my life because I was able to get diagnosed of my precancerous lesion that saved my life. And so becoming a Bright Pink ambassador, and that's because of the relationships, because you are a legacy builder. And so I love the fact that you always talk about no regrets. And I know that every single human being 
once they have no regrets. So just think about becoming a legacy builder because it doesn't mean because it's just when, well, when and Tina are special. Are you kidding me? There was a time in my life that I did not think I was special. I didn't think I was valuable. But when you like breathe that life into me, I got around the right people and you were the first person to believe in me. And so I was able to become who God really purposed me to come. Was there a time in your life that, that you didn't feel like you mattered? And so when did you borrow that belief to become the human being? Because we all are human beings. We all are valuable. When did you get that first breath of air? Okay. Um, I, before I answer that, I want to comment about uh, your relationship with Bright Pink. Um, I'm very, very fortunate in my family. Uh, nobody in my family has had breast cancer, right? Nobody in my family has, has died of breast cancer. So and my, my point is, it's not like I have a relationship with that crisis, and that's why I sought out to have a relationship with an organization such as Bright Pink. I believe that all of us can just be conduits. I like to consider myself a connector where people can just, through me, ideas can f flow through me to other people. Um, so for, for whatever reason, I don't really know why, but for whatever reason, I was a conduit. Bright Pink came into my world and I said, yeah, I want to I get involved. I'm on their executive board. And I just want to, I don't know why, but I want to spread that organization, their message throughout my circle of influence. Just so happened that you are part of that circle of influence that received that message for whatever reason it came through me. You received that message and you said that it saved your life. Mm -hmm. All of us have that power. Yeah. We don't know why. Just be, just be open, you know, just be in tune just be aware so that things can flow through you because you never know where it's going to end up. Mm. You never know how it's going to impact other people in your life. And then you said one more thing that you are now an ambassador for bright pink. Mm -hmm. Meaning you just didn't, you weren't just a consumer where you took their information to how it served you. And then you were done. You took that information. You were a consumer and then you became a contributor. Wow, you were saved, and so I need to turn around and use this for other people. Um, to answer the question, the question was, have I ever gone through that time in life where I felt like I uh, wasn't valuable? And of, co of course, you know, absolutely. You know, I, I, I started my company again 38 years ago, and so I, I built and I built and I built and I, I won awards and I had standing ovations as I traveled the country, and then all of a sudden I became a drug addict right? So I, I was successful. I had, I had notoriety. People respected me and loved me. And then I became a drug addict. Fortunately, that didn't last for very long, but you better believe it. It, it destroyed me in, one, in many ways. It, it took me to a rock bottom. I will never regret that part of my life. I'm grateful for what I learned from that because I feel like I can use my story and, and, and my wisdom through going through that to help save other people, literally save the lives of other people. But uh, yeah, that's, I hit wow. that spot. I hit that spot and, and had to give up everything. I literally had to give up everything uh, and, and start over. And, but there were loving, incredible, non-judgmental people in my life that came to my aid.
You know, there was another experience that happened about eight years ago. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but about eight years ago, something very tragic happened. And I had people where I was just going to, I, my thought was, I'm just going to blend into the walls now. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to step down. I'm going to sort of disappear right now because of what's happening in my life right now. But there were, it wasn't a lot of people, but there was a small handful of people. I can name them right now. I can tell you who they are. They came forward and said, you know what, Wynn, get back up on that stage. Literally and figuratively, get back up there, Wynn. Come on, you're better than this, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to overcome this, and it's going to make you stronger. It's going to be better. And the story that you have to tell right now, Wynn, because of what you're going through, people need to hear this story because other people are going through this as well. And they want to do what you're thinking that you should do. They want to be embarrassed. They want to disappear, right? They, they just want to uh, diminish themselves. They need to hear your story of what you've been through because they're going to overcome it as well. And so we, we go through those in life and I'm, I don't know, maybe, it, maybe it'll happen again. I don't know. I, I do believe that you need to protect yourself. Um, because some of you, you have people in your life who, when you screw up, they can't wait to tell other people about it. Mm -hmm. So there, there might be people in your life, how I put it, you need to divorce yourself from some people. And it's not that you're judging them or attacking them. It's that you love yourself enough to stay away from some of those people. Because what do they say? People who have abandoned their dreams will now try to steal yours. Mm -hmm. And so I have distanced myself from some people. It's not, it's not a judgment. It's not that I feel that, that I'm better than, than, I, than they are. It's just that, you know, I'm only so strong. And there's so much stigma surrounding that. Yet one in four people struggle with some form of, of mental health crises. But there's such a stigma. There's not really a stigma mm -hmm. with cancer. Nobody shames you for having cancer. But if you have a, a mental health crisis, why would I talk about that? I, I'm embarrassed to talk about it. And yet more of us do need to talk about it. So first of all, make sure that you're safe before mm -hmm. you start exposing yourself. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Before you start sharing your stories, you have a story to tell, Tina. Mm -hmm. Julio Veglio had a story to tell. Dr. Eamon has a story to tell. We all have a story to tell. Before you tell your story, make sure that you're safe, okay? Divorce yourself from those people who want to expose the, 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 the embarrassing side of you, the nasty side of you, the ugly side of you, and we all have that. Get away from those people, right? Mm -hmm. Stop buying into the culture that supports that. What do they say? There's an accident on the freeway. Everybody wants to stop and look. Yeah. People, people love a train wreck. People love the Jerry Springer show. Let's talk about what I think is going to be the last step uh, to being a legacy builder. And then you can add anything else. And I'll list the steps. But something I want to talk about, you told us a long time ago that we need to become motivational speakers as owners. And I'll never forget that day. I can pinpoint exactly where you were standing, exactly <laughs> where I was sitting. And I said, nope, I'm not going to be a Paul Mitchell school owner. I didn't sign up for this. I'm pissed. I was pissed at you. And I almost left that day.
And then I just sat there and it's almost like, you know, I was the only person in the room. It was like, you're yelling at me to do this. And of course we had a room of what, 200, 300 people. And so then I was just like, all right, fine. And so I called up my favorite school owner, uh, John and Michael Turnage. And I said, hey, um, can I come speak at your school? And I did it. And I did my first time. I'm sure I was horrible. And, uh, and I did it. But, and then from there on out, you can't get the microphone out of my hand now. <laughs> but, and I believe, and I've learned since then, and that I've taught my team that you become inspirational, motivational, because that raises your leadership lit because now people see you as an expert, as a motivational expert. And that's why when day in and day out, every summit, every owner shows up because they want to hear when Claybaugh speak. They want to hear what you have to say because you just fill us up and you empower us and we're ready to take on the day and ready to take on the year. And so like we need to become that. So talk to people right now because so many people, uh, my staff included, they're listening to this. They're thinking, oh, Tina, here she goes again. Now it's going to have wind talk to us. But if you can speak, you can accomplish anything. And so just learning your voice. So talk about that, why you said that to us that day. Um, you know, what do they say that the number one fear is public speaking and the number two fear is death by fire. <laughs> so I get it. I know why it's scary <laughs> to stand on a stage and share ideas. Um, but here's the reason why I feel like it's important. Um, I'm guessing, I'm betting that 90% of the Paul Mitchell school owners were attracted to the opportunity of joining this network and being a part of, of this mission that we had to revolutionize basic beauty school education. They were attracted to, they, they knew about the opportunity. Why? Because they heard me on a stage someplace. Because I spent a good 20 years, 80% of my time year after year, just traveling. And, and it wasn't always on the most glamorous stage with a thousand people who gave me a standing ovation. Sometimes it was 10 people who were pissed off that they had to be there late at night in the worst hotel, in the worst town, right? With the worst microphone, right? <laughs> and they were angry sitting there and, and it was my job to somehow bring out the best in them. And so it's not, it's not an easy job to, to, to be a speaker, but Here's the deal is if you're a business leader or an owner or a manager, and again, all of us are leaders, we're salespeople. If you're a parent, you're a salesperson, right? All of us are salespeople. And when you know how through your words to move people, to engage people, to bring out every single emotion in them, you can bring out laughter. You can bring out uh, emotion where people cry in a seminar, a good kind of a cry. You, through your words, you know how to help people uh, take inventory of their lives and make a decision that they're going to change, that they're going to improve. And you do that through your words. Oh my gosh, it doesn't matter what you're trying to sell as a parent or as a business owner, you're going to be successful. I had the opportunity to fire, which I don't, I don't fire people anymore. Sean does all that work for me, <laughs> but I was sitting down with one of our team members and he told me years later, it was like the happiest moment of my life. Just the mere fact of how kind you were and how you still believed in me. And then he became a salon owner. And, and so he said, wow. I never thought I'd be so happy to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
it's just kind of a cool, you know, affirmation with that too. You're right. You have to become a motivational speaker, like believe in people, honor people, even if they're not going to be with your company. So I'm so glad you said that when, and, and so to, to kind of finalize things as we wrap this up is I put down to be a legacy builder, get your family involved. Number two, build a solid foundation, build a solid culture, written down culture system in your company. Uh, then number three, people need to feel safe. They want to feel like they belong. So help your people to feel safe and help them to belong. Three, I, or I put down uh, four, be transparent. And I, I love the fact that you waited six months when into your uh, journey of recovering from drugs because you wanted to make sure that you could speak with appropriateness and that you knew that you had a story to tell to really change lives. And I love that you did that. Share your story uh, via a, a failure. And then uh, the next one is five. You can't uh, fire your way to build better people. And I love that you said that because it's just constantly bettering yourself so that you can attract better people. Cause I believe who you are is who you attract. And then number six, uh, bring out the best in your people. And I love when we talked about delegation, cause I always say delegate or die and stop taking on everything yourself. Just love and appreciate the people that you have. And you are not, you're the most important person in your organization. Number seven, be a motivational speaker, which we just talked about. And that helps you to bring out the best in your people. Number eight, learn your lessons from your screw ups and just, you know, write them down, whatever you have to do, but learn your lesson. And then number nine, devour self-help stock visionaries. Number 10, it's not your job to fix and change people. Number 11, constant forward focus, which is one of our culture pieces in our companies. And 12, be a contributor, not just a consumer. 13, leadership is not a position, it's a behavior. And then 14, be a, a conduit, uh, a connector to change lives. I love that you said that when 15, understand your value. You're all valuable. And then number 16, assemble a small circle of people who get you back on track, but divorce yourself from people that don't support you. And I added, get rid of the Jerry Springers in your life. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess if I could just wrap things up with, with you, uh, let's keep each other on track right now. Mm. You know, let's do more of what we're doing right now. We've spent over an hour together so far. You know, if we had an audience, I would want to ask them, how many you feel better about yourself in the last hour? You know, humor me, pretend, you know, let's yeah. have every hand go up. You know, yeah. <laughs> we need to hear this stuff every yeah. single day. So every single day, Tina, that you are using your power. Nobody paid you today to do this. Nobody's paying me, but we have, we have power. We have influence, so why wouldn't we take the time to do this? Why wouldn't we say, this is important? Nobody asked me to do this. Nobody is paying you to do this. Why wouldn't we do this? Because we have the power to do this. And I also love the mere fact that you're teaching all of us how to be great moms and dads, and you've been leading the way in that too. And, and I love the fact that you pour into everything that you do. So if there's one thing I could add also, it's just be an expert in everything that you're doing. And, and that's exactly what you did. Like you took it serious when you became a dad and to see the daughter that you are raising, what a legacy builder that you are. So thank you for leading the way for all of us in the Palmetto schools and then some. So I love you, Wynn. Thanks, sweetheart. I love you too. 
Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.